This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to A Game of Two Halves, a sports podcast by The Straits Times. I'm Sazali Abdulaziz and today we'll talk about Man City's unexpected loss at the weekend as well as Singapore's bid to be a world marathon major. With me today is my uh, sports desk colleague, Shami Osman. Hello. Yeah, Sham. So we had a, a, a huge match in the EPL at the weekend, which culminated in a perhaps unexpected loss. Uh, and I know everybody's thinking about, you know, Newcastle losing in the last minute. No one is. No one is thinking home. about that. No, I, I'm pretty sure nobody <laughs> expected Wolves to beat Newcastle. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Of course, it was Chelsea beating Manchester City 2-0. Peps City have, you know, obviously impressed a lot earlier this season and some people were even touting them as possible uh, invincibles or unbeatables. Clearly that didn't happen. Oh, that didn't happen at all. So earlier when Sari took over Chelsea, I had, a, I had a bit of an inkling that the style change, the formation changes that he's implemented were going to take them a little bit far. They were up and down with it, not so consistent, but they look, look pretty good in attack, especially with Hazard. But again, this time people still thought that City were going to blow Chelsea away because they've blown everyone else away. And especially after Chelsea lost, you know, to Wolves. I don't exactly. Again, right? Exactly. Yeah, but so what, what does this mean for the title race? I mean, it seemed like it was shaping up to be a, a two-horse race between Liverpool and, and City for the title, even though it's only about a, a third of the way through. Do you think this will, you know, make a big impact uh, on the title race? You, but you think Man United are going to suddenly come in from nowhere <laughs> and challenge for the title? No chance. Well, Arsenal but, are on like, what, 14 match unbeaten streak? They, they're so, looking really, very good. Yeah. So, well, what I like about this is, now, well, Liverpool fans are delighted, right? The Reds are on top by one point and you, you should see the stuff on Facebook. The guys are going <laughs> oh nuts over this, right? Yeah, both, both of us have my brother-in-law on Facebook. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, so, yeah. we do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, but, you know, obviously, jokes aside, there was one unsavoury incident that took place at the game and that involved uh, Raheem Sterling, the Manchester City player and a Chelsea supporter. Uh, the Chelsea supporter was captured on video. It appeared like he was saying a, a racial slur. You know, we never like to see things like this happen, do we? Not at all. And this is the thing that really annoys me, right? Just the week before, we had the captains of the teams wearing the armbands in the rainbow mm. colours. You know, it was all in, football is all inclusive. That was the key message, right? And then you see stuff like this. And this wasn't the only one. We saw an uh, no, what's Spurs. The, Spurs fan, that's yes. right, throw a banana peel at Pierre-Emerick yeah. Aubameyang. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, And, and, and you know, the, the thing that I find quite interesting is, is when you grab a hold of that fan or that person, who, whoever, you know, beat at a soccer game or, or, you know, on a flight or whatever, their, their response is, oh, I'm not a racist, you know, I'm, I, I was doing this, I was doing that. Of course, you know, this Chelsea supporter, he hasn't been proven to have said something racist, you know, it's, it's only um, a video um, image and, and we can't hear anything from it. But, you know, it's, it's never nice to see and I feel like sometimes fans tend to forget you know what they're shouting you know from the stands maybe because they feel like they're detached from the players that's why they can say all sorts of things I think we were chatting about this before I, I, at an S-League match so many years ago there was this Machi, you know, uh, Malay Machi mm-hmm. in, uh, in the stands. There are no Chinese Machi. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she was yelling at the top of her lungs you know, a, a racial slur at Queenstown Stadium when, you know, Tanjo Paga was playing uh, Etoile to a black player from the French team. And, you know, I was stunned because I'm like, what? And maybe maybe just in Singapore, maybe it's a bit more nuanced. They don't understand racism towards, uh, you know, people of African descent. But still, you know, I think it shows, you know, football fans can get a bit out of it. I think, you know, passions run over. It, it happens, right? We saw Jurgen Klopp sprint to the middle of the pitch just last week. And this happens. But I think what when these Rachel slurs come out, I don't get it. It hints at the underlying prejudices that people have. These, yeah. these things yeah. are hard to get rid of. But why must race be an issue? If he's an idiot, then he's an idiot. Mm. 
Why must he be a you know a, a white idiot or a black idiot or whatever exactly? Lah, you know, right? Why? Yeah. I don't understand this. This part, this part confuses me all the time. Yeah, and, and Raheem Sterling, he has come out. He's said that you know the coverage in the British newspapers and tabloids is one reason. Do you think he has a point? The again, this is this is underlying prejudices that people don't even realize they are. Now, for full disclosure, clearly by our names, you should be able to tell that both Sazali and I are minority in Singapore. So we we see this. Even the Chinese majority here don't feel like they're being racist when they say something racially insensitive. And these are my friends. Some mm. of them I've known for for years. Mm-mm. And when I bring it up, I'm like, guys, come on, man. You do realize that you are hinting at a underlying racism. And if if I wasn't your friend, we might have a problem here. Mm. And this is what I mean. And sometimes when when we write, right, you can't help that your thinking seeps into your writing. Your prejudices kind of seep in. But I don't know how to get rid of this. How do you? Mm. Maybe from here, where do we go? You mentioned the armband and the captain's warrant. Doesn't seem to be affecting any serious change, you know. Gary Lineker and and Ian Wright and and Mark Bright and so on were saying, you know, the bad old days of the 80s. You know, it's been it's it's still here. You know, where do we go from here? It's a real big question, though. Mesut Özil retired from the German national team because he felt that the Germans saw him as someone of Turkish descent. We've got a similar issue with uh, Romelu Lukaku, who says, you know, when we win, I'm Belgian. When we lose, I am a Belgian of Congolese descent. Mm. These prejudices really run deep, and. As much as we kind of try, the best thing you can do is raise your children to be colorblind. I think it is a long-term fix, not something we can fix in our generations or even in the next one. If I'm honest. Now, if you're enjoying this episode of a game of two halves, do subscribe to us on Apple's podcast app, on Google Podcasts, or even on Spotify. Do like it and give us a rating. Now back to our show. Sas, over the weekend we saw the Standard Chartered Singapore Marathon hit the streets in Singapore. You were down on the ground. I hear the Kenyans were again in dominant form as fifty thousand runners took to the streets in Singapore. How did it go? Yes, I was I was down on the ground at three thirty a.m. before there was even uh, any hint of light. But yeah, no, it was it was a, a great event. It rained also, which you know, obviously not the best in terms of you know if you want to travel or you want to be out it's and great about. For runners, but though, yeah, it's exactly, cooler. it's great for for runners. Uh, it was cool, and we thought we could see some really good times, which you know the the times weren't that bad. Uh, and honestly, from an organizational standpoint, I think it was for at least operations lah. You know, in terms of the way the media had to work and the way the runners, elite runners, uh, running competition was held. I think it was uh, really well done. And there are still issues to be ironed out, though. A friend of mine ran the twenty-one kilometer half marathon, and she said. It took her about an hour to get out after everything was all said and done, mm. and this was mm. her with limping a little bit with yeah. the tightness in the hamstrings yeah. and the ankle problems and yeah. all that. Is that true? Yeah, no, yeah. It, first of all, with thirty thousand people, you know, converging on on you know the, the F1 pit building or the float area, there, human congestion is bound to happen. I I can't really say because I wasn't down on the ground the last couple of years, but I was told. Where the shuttle buses dropped, the athletes they had to walk for quite some distance to get to the start line and stuff like that. Even for myself, when I parked at Marina Square, which is opposite the floating platform, oh, I thought I thought it was literally just crossing mm-hmm. the road. But I had to walk down probably a couple hundred meters and then to a, a, a traffic light and stuff like that. And yeah, like I said, you know, there are people who were just not happy with the long queues and the waits, like, which again, like I say, it's inevitable. But at the same time, I think you know it is something for the organizers to look forward, uh, look to for future editions of of the race. I mean, it's a bit different from you know going to a soccer game and then having to shuffle slowly out. You know, you just ran like your friend, 21 kilometers or 10 kilometers, or some people even running 42 kilo- right. kilometers. You are sore, you're tired, you you're sweaty. You don't want to be mushed against you know other human bodies for up to an hour or whatever. So I think that's something maybe they can try and sort out in the future. But Singapore is looking to take this event to the very top. 
top of the marathon pile, right? We are doing pretty well, all things considered. And we want to become a marathon major, like, you know, the likes of Boston, New York, mm-hmm. Chicago, London and Tokyo. What are our chances, do you think? I think good. I, I met someone from the World Marathon Majors. I mean, they have people here seeing how we organize the races. They're assessing it. They're, they're looking at a lot of different criteria, very stringent ones. And I think the overall sensing that they get is that you know, Singapore is doing really well. I think one of the things they look at is they, they consider government support as well, the, the country's support. And, and the Singapore government is throwing its weight behind SESM. Puts us on the map, no? Yeah, exactly. It will. You know, another international sporting event we can be proud of. You know, we've had F1. We've had the ATP. Eh, sorry. But we are going to have the ATP, We're possibly. ATP. We're hoping, hoping for the ATP. We had the WTA finals. Yeah, it will be something nice to have and, and something different. We've never really had a world-class status athletics event and this could be the first. Uh, and one of the things you need in order to gain major status is uh, elite wheelchair race. And, and we had that for the first year here in Singapore. I met some of the, the athletes, they're, they're Paralympic champions, they're, they're world majors champions. And you know, aside from that, on top of being obviously world-class athletes in their field, they also have some insane stories to tell. You know, I, I just have to share this American... Let's hear it, let's hear it. American uh, Joshua George, you know, he, he's um, a four-time winner of the Chicago Marathon and he, he won last year's London Marathon as well. And he has an absolutely incredible story. So what happened is he's in a wheelchair, he has a paralysis of his lower body. The reason for this is when he was four, he's 34 now, when he was four, he fell out of his window of his apartment, which was 12 stories high. And we're not talking about hitting a tree on the way down, cushioning the, the, the landing. flat out S- on uh, the concrete. Yeah, flat on his... It landed almost on his feet somehow after spinning and stuff like that. Amazingly, yeah, obviously avoided his head. So there was no serious damage to his head or his heart. Uh, you know, his legs were broken. His I imagine was, his spine would have been compressed Yes, or precisely. And that's the reason he's, uh, he's oh, for his paralysis. Uh, but, you know, wow. the fact that he survived, it was really incredible. And, and now he's a, you know, world marathon major champion. He's got a Paralympic gold in the 100 meter sprint in, in the T54, I believe, uh, the wheelchair category. So th- these guys, and he's a motivational speaker, as you would imagine. Yeah, you're having, and I'm still overweight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think to many degrees, para-athletes are very inspiring. Hugely, you know, they, hugely yeah, they, inspirational. They've, they've overcome a lot of difficulties uh, and put aside uh, whatever issues they may have, you know, in, in order to pursue sport. You know, but some of them have really, truly exceptional stories. And I believe this American athlete is one of them. And uh, he finished third in the race. But yeah, I felt like his story was something that many people should know. Oh, it is. But it must have been quite a sight as well to see the wheelchairs go down the streets of Singapore. Yeah, well, that, that, oh, yeah, that, how did they that manage that along with, alongside the runners? Yeah, okay, so generally the wheelchair races are quicker. So they end uh, their 42 kilometer race, which again, you have to imagine 42 kilometers in a wheelchair. Just using arms. For an hour and a half, literally spinning the, the wheelchair for an hour and a half. Can, mm. Like normal, ordinary humans like you and me cannot even compute doing something like that for an hour I and a half. I can do 30 push-ups. I <laughs> cannot do one <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was the first year and um, the wheelchair athletes actually mentioned some of the parts of the routes were a bit tight, which actually I noticed when I was looking at the runners go through the path. I'm thinking to myself, oh, this route is actually a bit narrow here. Okay, you know? you and, and I didn't realise that the wheelchair athletes would have to navigate that same turn at a higher speed. Yeah, they, they feedback, they said some parts of the course could be refined, could be better planned. But overall, the response was really good. They said, you know, we had a good starting point, and, but for a few minor tweaks, Singapore Marathon Elite Wheelchair Race could be something that would interest a lot more of the top athletes. And, and I'm sure the Singapore organisers will pick up on these things and fix it. You know, like we always do, Singapore is known for this kind of stuff. If we do become a major, what will this do for the event and what will this do for Singapore as a country? Well, it'll be a big 
boost of course to Singapore as a sporting destination and we've seen over the years that how mad running has become you know Singaporeans have everyone has a finisher shirt everyone yes, of, literally of, everyone yeah, in my neighbourhood has of one. various races that's right you know, every other week or possibly every week there's mm-hmm. a race I don't know even with world marathon major status whether we'll be a favourite of the top marathoners in the world simply because you know we are set on the equator mm-hmm. humidity is high you know, times won't be so great yeah times won't be so great it's why our best marathon runners tend to clock their best times in Christchurch or in mm-hmm. Tokyo uh, in cooler climes but yeah I think in terms of status it will be a really good thing for Singapore and Singapore sport in general how's that for an Instagram shot you know you at the finish line of a yeah no a I, I, major. I, and if you look at the winner of the men's race he came in round the bend for that final stretch and, and he came in just literally a couple of minutes after the sun rose and it was I thought the timing was perfect you know it looked super beautiful like, along Marina Bay and Singapore don't sky. tell me he whipped up his phone and took a selfie I, I cannot <laughs> confirm if he did or he did not but he should have <laughs> and on that note there's the final whistle bringing to a close the game of two house thanks Shami thanks it was good fun if you enjoyed the episode as much as we did do subscribe to a game of two house on Apple's podcast app or on Google Podcasts or even on Spotify do like and give us a rating that was an SPH podcast find us on iTunes Google Podcasts and streaming on Google Home do send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg you can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.